Good morning. So glad that you are here today. Um, sorry that I can't be there in person. We have been invited to Mississippi uh, this weekend to um, share at a, a church conference. So that's what I'm doing this morning. Um, but we will be back um, in a couple days and looking forward to next Sunday, which is the 17th, our fall kickoff. So we'll talk a little bit next Sunday about small groups and D groups and everything that's coming up. We'll kick off with a, uh, a message and worship um, on discipleship. And um, just so excited about that. I've been looking forward to it. Missing everybody uh, during the summer as everybody travels and in and out. Looking forward to getting back to some uh, consistency for the fall. Uh, but I'm glad that you're here today. And I want to bring to you a message from Isaiah chapter 40. Um, we'll kick off a new message series um, next week. Uh, and, um, but until then, uh, I've been putting together some messages uh, on different passages of Scripture. And this week, I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 40. You know, when I was uh, first starting out in the ministry, I served with a pastor in South Alabama while I was in Bible college. And I remember I would come dragging into the office some days. Uh, it was a difficult time. Um, I was working full time. Um, and I was a college student, uh, full time, married with uh, a two-year-old and a newborn baby, living in a peanut field in South Alabama. We caught 29 mice um, one summer in that house because they would come in off the peanut field. I was working. Uh, all the time at the church as a music minister and also student in student ministry and we had a challenging group of kids in that group a lot of broken homes a lot of kids getting in trouble and uh, phone calls at all hours of the night and I was driving an old pickup truck that was constantly breaking down it was barely running and uh, I was always underneath that thing working on it I was driving every day an hour to and from school um, and every now and then I would get a little bit overwhelmed. And I remember I would show up at the church office and just drop down in the chair in front of that uh, country pastor, in front of his desk, and I would just dump all my struggles on him, all the things that were going on. And he would um, sit there and he had a thing that he would say to me all the time. He would say, well, it'll go along like this for a while, but then it'll get worse. <laughs> and that really kind of kicked me in the gut the first couple times uh, he said it, but I began to understand what he was saying because I knew that he loved me. I knew that he cared about me. Um, but his point was, life is hard and it will always be hard. There will always be heartache. There will always be struggle and pain. And if you're hoping in the fact that sooner or later things will get easier, right? Things will get better. Or that if you just get through this struggle, things will all get fixed. Then you're just going to get knocked down over and over again. Remember in the book of Job, um, he says, Man who is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. Jesus even said, In this life you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Life is and always has been hard and always will be as long as we live in this broken world. 
Charlene Marshall, a singer-songwriter, she wrote, life is hard and it gets worse and worse and worse. <laughs> so poetic. Um, so life is difficult, even harsh at times. And there's not a lot of consolation uh, in this world around us, right? So, all right, so have a great week. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, there's more. There's comfort. There's hope today. There's a promise of strength and help. There's an offer of comfort. But it's important to understand that that real comfort does not come from ourselves. It doesn't come from the world around us. And so as long as we keep looking for the answers uh, in ourselves or in others, even in family members or the government, it will be hollow comfort. It'll be temporary at best. So I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 40 today and find some real comfort, some real help. Just want to set the stage a little bit before I dive into it. This is a, this is a message by the prophet Isaiah, right? He was um, called to prophesy to the people of Israel to give this message from God. Um, at this time in their history, it's a divided kingdom, north and south. Um, this is a time when scripture says each one did what was right in his own eyes. They had rebelled against um, God. There was violence and oppression and, and uh, murder and idol worship. And yet they would keep getting together for quote-unquote worship. But it was really just insincere, meaningless religious ceremonies. Uh, it was blasphemy. And in chapters 1 through 39 in the book of Isaiah, we see... Isaiah giving the message that they're going to reap what they've sown from turning their backs on God. Now, they were getting ready to be in difficult captivity. They were already beginning to go into captivity and it would get worse and worse. But overall, the message of Isaiah really is a hopeful one. It really is the message of salvation. There are various messianic prophecies, prophecies that are talking about the coming Messiah, are coming by about um, the coming Savior. And so overall, in the book of Isaiah, we see this message of man's rebellion from God, the consequences of that rebellion, but then also the work of restoration, uh, the gift of redemption from God. And so let's begin in chapter 40 of Isaiah in verse 21. Uh, scripture says, do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, 
not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Verse 28, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young, man, young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this message that you're bringing us today through the prophet Isaiah. That you, know, that you knew that we would be hearing today, that we would be reading this encouragement, this, these promises. So Lord, apply it to our hearts by your spirit this morning. And may we be doers and not hearers only in Christ's name. Amen. So as I said, Isaiah has been calling out Israel for their rebellion, right? And outlining um, the results of that, the judgment that's coming. And now in chapter 40, the tune changes a little bit. It changes to one of hope and one of comfort. And that's where I want us to spend our time this morning. Because like Israel, we live in a, in a fallen world, right? We've seen the struggle um, and pain in life since the fall in the garden. And it's not just something done to us. It's a result of our own choices. It's a, it's a result of the choices of people around us. We see brokenness, struggle everywhere, and none of us are immune to that. And here's the thing. If this morning you don't have a firm foundation to stand on, truth that you live your life according to, that you can hold to, this life, these struggles, these storms can leave you bruised and battered over and over and over again. But this morning, I want to give you what, what I want us to look at what God has given us right here in this passage. Not simply a, a coping mechanism, right? Not just simply techniques for dealing with these difficulties, but solid, eternal truth to build your life on, to find comfort in times in difficult times. First of all, remember who God is. Right here in, um, right here in verse 31, he says, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Remember who God is. Who he is, he says, is the everlasting God. That word everlasting means perpetual, without beginning, without end. He's everlasting. God has never not been. He says in Revelation twenty-two thirteen, 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. There is no other. He is and has always been which means for you and for me that he has the power. 
He has the power to heal in my life. He has the power to protect you and me. He has the power to save you and me. There is nothing that God cannot handle in your life or in this world. He's the everlasting God. He said he's the creator of the ends of the earth. Listen, life is God's design. He is the creator. The things you see, the things that you cannot see. Which means that you and I can trust our lives into his hands. You are his idea, right? Your identity, my identity, first and foremost is created in his image. Created by a loving father. It means that I should see the earth, I should see other people, other nations, as important to God. See myself as precious to God. That should affect how I see and treat everyone in my life. He flung the stars into the heavens, and yet he has every hair on your head numbered. He created you. He says, he goes on to say, he does not faint or grow weary. Listen, Israel uh, had often grown, grown disheartened by their circumstances, right? But Isaiah was giving them encouragement here. God was speaking through him saying, I do not faint. I do not grow weary. I am not running off. I am not holding back. I am not exhausted. I am not tired. Even though he had dealt with Israel over and over again with their struggles and with their rebellion, he remained. He says, I, I will not fall. I will not faint. Which means for you and for me, no matter what is happening in your life today, no matter what is happening in the world today, God is still active and able. He is not growed, uh, growing weary. When you feel like you have no strength left, he is strong. When you're exhausted and tired, you can rest in him. Psalm 3.5 says, I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. What a beautiful thought. Even when I sleep, I can rest because he is watching over me. He is watching over you. And nothing can hide you from him. He goes on to say his understanding is unsearchable. He knows your heart. He knows what you're experiencing. He knows in intimate detail what's going on in your life, even better than you or I understand it. He understands. He cares. So we remember who God is and remember what he's done as well. He says, he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. You know, he's a giving God. Our God is a gracious God. For Israel, he's reminding them, he gives the plagues in Egypt to, to deliver Israel from Pharaoh. The Passover, where the angel of death passed over those houses with the blood on the door, the miracles of the Exodus. He brought them out, the manna from heaven. He split the Red Sea, the miracle in the 
the battle of Jericho, getting them to the promised land. He's saying, Isaiah is saying, he gives. He gives strength. He gives power. Interesting, in verse 28, he says, have you not known? He's telling Israel, have you not known? You've seen this. You've experienced his grace. You've experienced his provision. For you and I today, God is not only big enough and strong enough to handle anything in your life, He is the kind of God who is willing to give, to act, to give you power to persevere, to make it through. He's willing to give strength in our weakness. 2 Corinthians 12.9, God's Word says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. What does that mean? That means the more I let go and let God have control, the more I am weak, I trust in His power. It's made perfect in my life. And the message that Isaiah was ultimately bringing, this provision, was the message of salvation, was the message of the Messiah, that He was bringing the Savior through Israel. A few chapters later in Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, he says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He's talking about the Savior that is ultimately going to bring ultimate restoration, ultimate comfort, ultimate healing. He says, Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed. See, Israel was thinking immediate. They wanted immediate deliverance. They wanted relief from their immediate circumstances, which stances, which is often our perspective, right? We want help right now. We want relief right now of the, the specific thing that I'm struggling with, the specific pressure that's on me, the specific um, time of grieving but what God is doing is something bigger. Ultimately, He wants to heal you from within. He wants to do something within. And what He did ultimately for Israel and for you and for me and for the whole world was give provision again, give a Savior. For God so loved the world that He gave. He's all-powerful. He's almighty, he's all-knowing, he's always been, and yet he gives, continues to give. He gave the ultimate solution, the ultimate gift. This is who God is. He's everything. He needs nothing. And he is loving, he is caring, and he is active. So this morning, God sees you. He cares for you. He's able to meet your every need. And he calls you to faith, to trust in him. And that's the next point here is not only remember who God is, but trust in him. He says there, but they that wait on the Lord. In verse 31, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. He's not saying pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Israel. He's not saying do this or do that. He's saying 
wait on me, trust in me, turn your attention to me. Even though the children of Israel had seen and tasted God's power and his deliverance over and over again, they chose to live as if there was no God. In Isaiah 1, at the very beginning of this book, he just says that they've forsaken the Lord. They are utterly estranged from him now. They've turned their backs on God, and he's calling them back. Wait on me. Turn to me. Look to me. To wait, to trust, seek after, listen for. Listen, the question for you and for me today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what season of life you're in, is what or who are you waiting for? What are you looking to for rescue, for relief, to make things better? What are you trusting in today? God says, wait on me, trust in me. You know, I heard this story many years ago, and it's very familiar. You probably have heard it, but there's the story of um, the, the guy who's sitting on his front porch, and there's a rainstorm coming and starting to flood, and the, the floodwaters are, are rising up, and somebody comes by, is getting up to the edge of the porch, and one of his neighbors comes by in a, in a canoe and says, hey, come on, the town's going under, get in. He says, no, 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 that's all right. God's going God's to gonna save me. He's like, okay. And then it rains more and more. He gets up on the second floor and he says, another boat comes by, a motorboat. Hey, get in. No, God's saving me. And then a little while later, he's on the roof and it's rising up and a helicopter comes by and says, come on, get in. He's like, no, 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 that's all right. God's going to save me. Well, he goes under, he drowns and he stands at the gates of heaven and he asks St. Peter at the gate, why didn't God save me? I was waiting for him. And he said, well, he's, uh, he said he sent two boats and a helicopter. See, oftentimes we're not, we're not waiting on God, really. We're waiting on what we think is the best solution, right? Oftentimes, even when we put it in God's names, even in God's, um, we say we're putting it in God's hands, we pray about it. We actually are trying to put God in a box and, and have him answer the way we think it should work out. He's saying, no, wait on me. Drop your idea of what the answer is. Drop your ideas about how I should even act and trust in me. What God knows is that the answer that you and I are looking for is not necessarily the answer or the solution that I need. Or that is best. 2 Corinthians 1, 8-11 says, For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us on him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Here's the hard truth, but truth nonetheless. God is not primarily concerned or interested in your comfort. He's primarily interested in your relationship with him. That's the whole reason Israel went into captivity. They refused 
to put their hope and trust in the Lord. They refused to put Him first and foremost. They turned to other gods. They turned to other ideas. And sometimes that seems unfair to us, right? That God would not just be primarily concerned with my comfort. But when we get our eyes off of ourselves and even our circumstances and put them on the Lord, put them on Christ, then we begin to see things from His perspective. He begins to give us discernment and wisdom and, most of all, peace. Whatever the circumstances of your life are today, God knows. He cares. And the answer that He gives, that He offers, is not just temporary relief, but but he calls you to have faith in him, to trust in him. And this is daily. This is not just a life mantra, which it is. I want to build my life on Christ. But I want to daily walk with him, daily look to him, daily run to him. So remember who God is. Remember all that he's done. Look in his word and his promises. Trust him. More than just head knowledge. Trust Him. Give Him your heart. Give Him your faith. Look to Him and don't, don't try to put Him in a box to answer prayers the way you think He ought to answer them, but, but walk with Him. Seek to know Him first. And finally, live life to the fullest. Verse 31, he says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The imagery he uses here is flying and running and walking. As opposed to frozen in fear, crippled with confusion or depression. That's what it is to live apart from God's love apart from trusting in Him, trusting in the world, trusting in my circumstances so that that things will get better. It's always disappointing. But He offers us real life, joy today. Jesus said, John 10.10, I came that that they may have life and have it abundantly. C.S. Lewis wrote, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. You know, when we live life according to our felt needs, according to our immediate desires and and our answers. We live life on a much lower plane than what we were designed for, God's desire for us, God's plan for us. When When we try to live on our terms, we're in a constant state of defeat. And as Christians, you may reach heaven if indeed you've trusted Christ as your Savior but we'll walk with a limp through this life because we're not daily trusting and seeking after Him. Hebrews 12, 1 says, 
let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. What is this weight he's talking about? Lay aside this weight. It's anything that hinders me from running. Those things that capture my affection, they capture my trust. And I begin to pursue other things for, for immediate relief or temporary relief, but it never brings it, never brings complete satisfaction and that hinders me from living the life, running the race that Christ has set out before me. And those things are idols, anything but Jesus that I'm looking to, that I'm waiting on, that I'm trusting in becomes an idol. And the idol that talk, scripture talks about over and over again, and we talk about it as well, is the idol of self. But what does it mean that, that self is an idol? Well, it means that I'm looking for relief. But God is building strength. I'm searching after an answer. But God is building faith. When I am the idol, when I am king of my own life, when I'm Lord in my own life, that means I'm driven by the search for success. But God is seeking to bring peace I'm running after happiness, but he wants to bring real joy. When God is on the throne, when Christ is on the throne of your heart and your life, he has so much more for you than you would even have for yourself. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. The power that works within us is the Holy Spirit, His Spirit within us. He teaches, He guides, He rebukes and corrects us. He's forming and transforming. He's fashioning and refining our inner selves. He's guiding and directing us, teaching and training. And the more we yield to Him, the more we see Him working in me and through me. The more we see his perspective of even my struggles, even the storms I'm in. You know, the Christian life often gets a bum rap, right? But it's usually by people who are not really living it. If they say Christianity is about don't do this, don't do that. You can't have this, you can't have that. When in reality, God's plan, God's God's desire for us is that we would mount up with wings as eagles. We would run and not be weary. We would walk and not faint. Life is meant to be an adventure, right? An exciting journey of joy, victory over guilt and shame. That's what it means to have Christ on the throne of my life, to see vibrant colors of life, the perspective that I have a loving creator who loves me and cares for me, walks with me. He's doing something in me every day. And that is why Jesus came. Christian, that is your hope today. That is your peace today. His desire is not that we go through life half-hearted. When we live life outside of the plans and purpose of God, we are, we are not living the life that we were created to live. 
Notice he doesn't say there in verse 31, but they who wait for the Lord shall never have any problems. All their struggles will be gone. They will not have bad days. They won't go through tragedy or heartache. No, what he says is, I will do something in them. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. He does something within you. Remember, we talked a few weeks ago about in Romans chapter 5, in verse 3, he says, We rejoice in our sufferings. The Apostle Paul writes there. He says, Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Listen, in whatever season that you're in, whatever struggle that you're in, God wants to work in you. He wants to work in your circumstances. He wants to begin in your heart. He wants your allegiance. He wants your affection turned to him. He wants you to trust him. That's what, that's what he's telling Israel here. Listen, you've been running, chasing after all these other gods, all these other idols, but what I want is a relationship with you. I want you to trust in me. So what are some action steps this morning as we conclude? Well, first of all, remember who God is, right? Take some time to reflect on who Scripture tells us that God is, his character, what he's done, his personality. Read Psalm 139, a beautiful psalm about the character of God, about who God is. If you're not a Christian, this morning, if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, realize who God is. He is holy. There is no unrighteousness in Him. He is holy and perfect, and you are not. You and I are not. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Who God is, is perfect. And who we are, is broken and sinful. But also recall what He's done. Christian, recall what God has done, look in his word, Psalm 46, Job 38, Romans 5. Look at what God has done in scripture and throughout history. Look at what, remember what he's done in your own life. The prayers that he's answered, the times he has protected you and directed you. And now you look back and you see where he was working. And you didn't even realize it when you're in the middle of the storm. Remember what he's done. Give him praise for that. If you're not a Christian this morning, not only, not only do you have to see God for who he is, holy and yourself as broken and sinful, but see what God has done through Christ. Romans, I mean, uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, God is holy. Yes, we are sinful. But God took the initiative because of his love, through his love, to give a solution, to give healing and restoration through Jesus Christ. Renew your faith in him, Christian. Cast your cares on him. Remember who he is, what he's done, and trust him with your life. Trust him every day. Proclaim your faith and his love and faithfulness. Thank him. Go to him in prayer. Worship him. 
build your life on Jesus and trust him every day with it, every season. He's worthy of that. He's the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He has given. If you're not a Christian this morning, this step is placing your faith in him, knowing that he is holy and that you are sinful, like all of us, knowing, hearing the message, the good news that he has given, he has given out of his love, Jesus, to restore our relationship with him, to bridge that gap between his perfection and our imperfection. He sent Jesus to die on the cross and he calls every one of us to put our faith in him, to trust in him. Jesus said in Luke chapter 5, verse 32, I have come to call the sinner to repentance. See, we've all sinned, and what God has called us to is to confess that, to admit that to him, to agree with him. Yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I have sinned. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So yes, I agree that I'm a sinner. I agree that I'm unqualified to have a relationship with you, God. But I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross and you rose him from the grave. And I put my trust in him for salvation. I put my trust in him for this relationship with you. And then, Christian, live your life with your eyes fixed on him. When you come to receive Christ, you receive him as savior, saving your soul, paying for your sin. But you also receive him as Lord of your life. Give him your life. There's no promise of a struggle and pain-free life, but peace and comfort in the pain, in the storm. The promise to you and to me this morning that God, the God who made the universe, who rules the universe, loves and cares for you. He's with you. He will give you strength. He will give you strength to stand. He will give you power, endurance to walk, to run, to soar. He says in the next chapter, chapter 41, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, sometimes we go through struggles, we go through difficult seasons, and we wonder, why is God allowing it? Why is he not jumping in? I mean, if it's true that he is the everlasting God, right? Creator of the ends of the earth. He's all powerful, all loving, all faithful. What's up? Well, 20 some ch chapters later in the same book in Isaiah chapter 65, it says this, the Lord says, I was ready to respond, but no one asked for help. I was ready to be found, but no one was looking for me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that did not call on my name. All day long, I opened up my arms. Listen, today God is ready to respond. 
He's standing with his arms open. He's saying, here I am, here I am. Won't you seek him today? Won't you trust him? Won't you put your faith in his desire, his design for your life, his plans for your future? And we'll be able to, to run steadfast this life. We'll be able to live the life that he designed for us. Trust him every day. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises in scripture, God. Thank you for this reminder of, first of all, who you are. Our hope, God, is in who you are. The everlasting God, the creator, the ends of the earth, you knit us together. We're your design. We're your idea. You have plans and purposes for us. God, help us to trust you today. Help us not to run by your outstretched arms, seeking other affection, seeking other ways to do life rather than your plan and your purpose for our lives. God, help us today. And help us to see that even in the dark times, even in the struggles and the pain, Lord, you know that what we need is to first of all see you clearly and come to you like a child and trust in you rest in your arms and watch you work in and through us to bring glory to yourself and good to our lives. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us first. In Christ's name, amen. Great. Um, listen, a few announcements. Um, we have connect cards in the back. Um, so if you've not filled out one of those, um, it's real short. Just a, a couple little questions there. We'd like to get to know you better. And um, glad that you're here. Welcome. Um, also, um, check out the church app. We have the church app, um, and we put announcements on there, sign-ups, different things. So if you don't have that, look on, the, uh, look on your church app. If you don't have it, go on the, the uh, app store and, and look it up. It's called The Church App. And uh, you'll, have, um, you'll look up Neighborhood Church, Upper West Side. Um, also, next Sunday, it's an exciting Sunday. It's our fall kickoff. So, like I said, we're going uh, to kick off the fall, the new message series. Um, we're going to talk about small groups and D groups and all the opportunities to get involved and uh, start to uh, continue to build community uh, and share our lives with one another. We also have D groups, discipleship groups. I'll, t I'll tell you a little bit more about that uh, next uh, week, too. And that's, a, that's an opportunity to get even closer uh, in intimate community with one another and grow in our faith together. Uh, we also will have a small group uh, slash D group dinner on September 20th at our uh, apartment. And so we'll talk about that next week as well. Um, I think these things are on that church app, so you can see them on there and begin to sign up for, for those things. But like I said, we'll, we'll discuss it further next week. Um, also, if you're interested in membership or in serving opportunities here at Neighborhood Church, um, look for me. Uh, not today. I'm not there. But... Um, Next week I'll be back and, and we'll set up a time where we can discuss uh, those opportunities. Go on, go on the website, uh, go on our Instagram. If you're not on Neighborhood Church uh, Instagram, uh, get on there and you can uh, we try to put meaningful stuff on there. And then um, also if you want to give today, there's a QR code that will be on the screen. And uh, you can give your tithes and offerings there and gifts. And um, so glad that you're here. Can't wait to see you next week. Invite somebody um, and have a... Have a great week. God bless.